Hey everyone, it's David Duchovny. Do you ever feel like a failure? Trust me, I get it. Hell, I've spent my whole life almost feeling like a failure. It's appropriate though, because on Fail Better, my new podcast with Lemonada Media, exploring the world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives is the whole point. Each week I'll chat with artists, athletes, actors, and experts about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, are you ready to add a sprinkle of joy to your day? Then you need to check out Add to Cart. Hi, I'm Sujan Pak. And I'm Kulap Vilaisak. We're your hosts, and on this show, we talk about the things we buy, the things we buy into, and what it says about who we are. That's right. Each week, we're going to have some honest and maybe, you know, little TMI conversations about all the fabulous, weird, wonderful things we're adding to or ditching from our carts. You know, we talk about beauty products, latest health trends, philosophies we're passionate about. Nothing is off limits on this podcast. We're diving deep into everything we and our guests buy into and exploring what it reveals about who we truly are. We're going to decide what's worth the investment, be it money or emotions. Add to Cart from Lemonada Media has new episodes out on Tuesdays, wherever you get your podcasts. Lemonada. I'm Kiki Monique, and this is I'm Sorry, your weekly dose of pop culture, celebrity missteps, and public apologies. And this week, I wish I was a cat because I just want to sleep and lay belly up in a sun-drenched window. Wow. <laughs> and uh, I'm Mohanad Al-Sheikhi, and this week, it's uh, hot as hell in New York City, and I hate it so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's too cold. It's too hot. Um, I get that. And my name is Oha Lopez, and this week... I hung out uh, for five hours with three 19-year-old freestyle rappers in a hair salon, and I had the single best time of my life. Why? They were just in the hair salon? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got invited to be on this, like, uh, cool podcast and all in Spanish here in Chicago. And this lady, she just had like, an entourage, essentially, like the podcast host. And there were literally nine to ten people there recording this podcast. And amongst those nine to ten people, there were three 19-year-old rappers that, sh- that are her protégés. It's like she's a manager of mm. different, like young artists venezuelan artists okay and um they were really good you guys my mind was blown <laughs> did they freestyle rap to you they did they freestyle rapped me and then they were so good that then i started throwing crazy shit at them so i was like okay now now you're gonna rap from the perspective of like a 75 year old man who is like getting a boner for the first time in a decade you know <laughs> and then they would like sit there and just freestyle rap from that point of view, from that character point of view. And then the other person would come in as a character and they'd rap battle each other as the characters that I told them to. It was so good. Also, this so is good. the most improv thing I've ever heard. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that is my culture. I will not be shamed. No matter where you take Oha, she's going to make you do some improv in some way, shape or form. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I can't help it. It's in my nature. And they, they, I try to explain what improv was, and they're like, no, we like stand-up. We don't like improv. <laughs> you know, because improv is sort of like the nerdy theater kid younger brother to, like, the cool bad boy stand-up brother. And um, But why didn't you just tell him that freestylers are the improv of the rapper world? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, we, we, we talked about it a little bit, but okay. it was... Um, they were so brilliant and so smart. And of course, I don't hang out with a lot of Venezuelan people often. So when I do get into like a circle of them and they're young, I was just like asking them like what the new slang was like, because I know slang from when I was a teenager, but I haven't been in Venezuela for so long that I, that shit evolves and you don't know how it evolves. So they literally just spent all night just honestly humoring this ancient person that they Wait, had to hang so out with. 
in case I end up in Venezuela, like what is a current popular slang term that I should know? Sure. Okay. So I asked them like, okay, because we were, we, okay, we maybe smoked a little bit of weed. Okay. And so (laughs) we're smoking weed. And I was like, hey, so when I was growing up, if you had smoked weed and you were high, you were say that, that you would say that you were pegado, que estaba pegado. And pegado means you were kind of like, um, the literal translation is sort of like stuck or sticky kind of. And so I was like, but now that you're a grown up and, you know, like you're like, oh, not only can you just be high, but what happens when you're too high? You know, is there a word for when you're faded too? Like we have all these words in English for being fucked up past beyond where you should be. And I was like, do you guys have a word? And he said, oh, yeah, it's palideando. So that is for when you're too fucking high on whatever drug it is that you're on. And the translation means uh, to go pale, but Mm, in an infinitive verb. So like as if you were running or screaming or crying, um, palideando means to be pale in a kind of verb kind of way. Isn't that so strange and weird? Palideando? Palideando. Palideando. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So well, I I also love that when you say when you said smoked weed, you whispered it as if Joe Biden <laughs> listened to this podcast. <laughs> I always I have this like very like conservative because like you grew up in the early two thousands and late nineties and you're like drugs kill and drugs are bad bad boys and you're a bad girl if you do drugs and I grew up very Catholic and so I think I still have this like. I don't want to tell anybody that I partake, you know? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I haven't hung out with like really, really young people, like 19 year olds like that in since I guess maybe I was 19. But have do you guys know young people like very like young? Well, so I mean, when, when I was in Portland State, I used to um, I used to be like a professor's assistant. So like I would also work with these freshmen, you know, like every year. Uh, so I guess those are young people, very young people, and it was uh, it was something. It was definitely uh, an experience that I would not like to do anymore. <laughs> got it, got it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were like always like nice to me and thought I was cool and everything. It's just the fact that like the stuff that they care about, the stuff that they worry about. I'm just like, bro, it's gonna get worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But what about you, Kiki? Do you know any 19-year-olds that you hang with? I mean, yeah, not I don't would say 19-year-olds. I like I think that I know like a lot of cuz I I do become friends with a lot of like the online accounts that I like become mutuals with like on TikTok mm. or Instagram and um I I say I probably trend on the older side, but like I hang out in like a T-world where there's a lot of younger accounts. So if we meet in real life, then I feel like, yes, I'm hanging out with like a much younger, younger crowd. Yeah. Um, also, if you are younger than 25, I have no idea how old you are. <laughs> it's so true. Like, wait, I, wait. No, okay. I drove by a high school the other day and I was like, I don't, I was like, this, I didn't look like that. They, they look like children. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like you tell me you're like 18. You tell me you're 24, I'd believe it. I'm like, I have no idea how old you are. This, this can be anything, truly. <laughs> we would be the worst bouncers in America. We would just be like, yep, yeah, you look 21 to me, baby. Come on in. Yeah, Get your exactly. LSD on. I've actually um, been... A, now, I haven't really been a real bouncer, but I like what? to... Wait. So, okay. like, so, like, I, for some reason, used to have this thing I did where I would sit... It, at the front of bars and I don't know I guess my look people automatically would just start handing their ideas to me if I was like sitting there um and I so I just would start doing it sometimes and pretend I was the bouncer because I would just like thought it was like funny um I'm weird like that Kiki you just gave me a flash like a memory that flooded my brain just now where I have also done that and been a bouncer <laughs> At the, at the entrance of bars, but I did, somebody did pay me to do it. Oh. But now I realize I I have been a bouncer. We've both been bouncers, Mo. Mo, no, I, I have not. I have not. Damn it! But speaking of uh, bouncers, I was uh, I was in San Francisco this weekend doing shows at the San Francisco Punchline. Great time. Had the best time of my Ooh, life. Ooh, okay, so much cool. Fun. 
but on on Wednesday and Thursday there was a Dave Chappelle show uh, <gasps> Shit, right. right after and the amount of security that they have for the show is insane like they have like metal detectors and like you know well they like, have to now right I mean he did get attacked by like a knife but I've, I've heard that <laughs> I've heard that was the, the thing always okay but now it's more but what's funny to me is uh I think he did not need all of that security for one reason, which is tickets for that show were one hundred and fifty dollars, and I'm like, bro, no one is paying one hundred and fifty dollars to get kicked out. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if I paid one hundred and fifty dollars to see anyone, no matter how much I hated them, I will sit there and watch the whole thing. Um, but most importantly, did you get to meet Dave Chappelle? Oh, good question. Uh. No, I saw him, but I didn't stay for the show because wow. it was so late. It starts so late, and it goes on for hours, for hours. First of all, there is no one in this world that I would want to listen to speak for two hours. Like the most, I I think a, the perfect show, a perfect show, is ninety minutes. Okay. See, and I was gonna say forty-five. <laughs> I was gonna say a, a good forty-five-minute show, whether it's a. Uh, improv show improv shows are better at 25 but 45 minutes for me of stand-up and i'm like this is good i feel I like five, 45 minutes of one person yes mm-hmm. uh, but like like a 90 minute like you know like you have an opener you have a feature and then maybe you have like someone do right. a guest spot and then you have the headliner talk for like 50 minutes to an hour and that is perfect it ends there have you ever been at a show and then it's like a halftime or what's that called technically? Like a oh, intermission, break, an intermission. And you're like, I wish it was over now. I wish this was it. 100%. Every time there's an intermission in any show, it doesn't matter how good the show is. I'm like, I'm done. But then I have to go back in. I, I think inter- like intermissions are just like, uh, you know, God doesn't want that. <laughs> yes. like, God doesn't want intermissions. Happen. Yeah, they shouldn't happen. Like, first of all, you killed the momentum of the show. If it's right. a comedy show, you just killed it. Now mm-hmm. I have to start from the beginning and the host has to bring it back and all of that shit. And then people will take so long to come back from the bathroom, whatever the fuck they're doing. And they were like, you know, and whoever going first or like whatever is happening right after the intermission, like you're going to be on stage and people are like still walking in. I don't like that. So just keep it going. Just use the bathroom before the show, like a grown-up. Mm-hmm. Leave in the middle of the show and use the bathroom. Mm-hmm. But you know what I do wish? I, I do wish movies had intermissions, because I went and saw Top Gun this weekend. and Oh, um, how was it? How was I mean, that? Look, so cheesy, but I love it. I mean, I okay. love Top Gun. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't blame you. So yesterday, I actually watched, uh, re-watched the first movie. Like, yeah, me too. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so funny. It's, it's so, so funny. funny. <laughs> it's so funny. And I didn't even realize that the uh the Navy had paid the military had paid thirty one million dollars to to get that movie funded. Yeah. Because when that movie comes out, I mean, I definitely know recruitment after this new one is gonna go up because like, you know, you watch those planes and taken off and like even i want to be in the air force which i'm still trying to figure out the branches like why is the navy and the air force combined i don't know but that's not for me to figure yeah, out yeah they, they both you know ride over water and they're like yeah <laughs> but like just the fact that like you know i think i read somewhere where it's like they had the, the they had to pay eleven thousand three hundred sixty four dollars an hour for these these planes to be used in this movie but you know it's it's just a cool movie to watch but you know we were just sort of we made it a girl's you know day and anyways the movie's two hours and 17 minutes i think and i kind of just wish you know because it's alamo so you're drinking and you know you kind of want to just a little break to like you know because you don't want to miss anything but um we were just saying that you know tom you know, Tom definitely was, like, making sure he was in every part of this movie, even though, like, it doesn't didn't necessarily need to be about Tom. But you know what? I love Tom. I watch every single movie he does, so it's, I don't really It's so care. fun. I mean, like, here's the thing. He knows how to be a Hollywood movie star. Yeah. Yes. You know, and that's all you can ask for him, from him. Like, yeah. yes, it, are these movies, like, propaganda for the military? Is my taxes paying Tom Cruise to fly planes? <laughs> yes. That's exactly the answer is yes. what's happening. But you know what? At least, you know, there's so much like military propaganda. At least, you know, they made it fun for once. 
So, they should they should consider this level of effective marketing in all areas of their life. Um, but instead they do dumb shit, like open up a weird store in a strip mall and like stalk you as you walk through the marshals. Oh yeah, exactly. You've got potential, kid. <laughs> I know. It's it's so funny that uh, that I've learned like recently that I can like uh join the military even though like <gasps> I'm not a citizen or I'm still waiting wow, for my green card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, mm-hmm. bro, you're like letting me die for this country but will not <laughs> process my papers quick enough. What an insane <laughs> <laughs> what I say the world. I was surprised to find out my friend, like, same situation, like, I think she has a green card, and it's like, she has to pay taxes, but she can't vote. And I was like, this feels, like, not equitable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like, man, I, I, like, I pay taxes, too, and, and everything, and I also deserve to have my vote not matter, you know? Like, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> As a New we Yorker, I want my but yeah, my ballot to go in the box and mean nothing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I want to be disappointed too. I want to vote for <laughs> someone and then, you know, end up with not my choice. Or have a bad year and just be like, you know what? None of this matters. I'm not voting at all. Even just the possibility of thinking maybe I won't vote. The just the the sheer gall of having the option and deciding not to. That is choice. You know what? What I love, though, I, and I, I think I've said it before, but like the thing about like not voting for me, like not being legally able to vote, is mm-hmm. that I can always be on this fucking high horse, baby. <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. I love a high horse. I love a high horse. I love it. I wish I could live off of a high horse. Yeah. The moral high ground is the club to be, baby. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. People are talking about the lessers of two evils and who to pick and all of that. I'm like, I don't even have to think about that. Whatever (laughs) choice you make, I'll blame you for it. I pay taxes to do this. If I can't vote, I'll blame you for whatever (laughs) the outcome is. Oh, I do love that. Hi, I'm June Diane Raphael. And I'm Jessica St. Clair. And each week we are sitting down to talk all about life's twists, turns, and absurdities on The Deep Dive. From exploring the depths of TikTok, which is our only news source, to navigating the complexities of grief and loss, we are just two best friends behind a mic processing life together. This podcast is all about finding the silver linings in the madness. So get ready for unfiltered conversations about motherhood, careers, pop culture, and everything in between. Here at The Deep Dive, we're all about community. We believe in the power of sharing experiences and the strength that comes from supporting one another. And we would love to have you with us. So be sure to join us every Wednesday on The Deep Dive from Lemonada Media, wherever you get your podcasts. Do you ever get hit with a cringy memory of your 13-year-old self out of nowhere and suddenly you're panic sweating and laughing at the same time? Don't, don't worry, don't worry. We all get that. It's because being an adolescent is one of the most visceral shared experiences we have as people. And we want to talk about it. Join me, Penn Badgley, and my two friends, Nava and Sophie, on Podcrushed as we interview celebrity guests about the joys and horrors of being a teenager and how those moments made them who they are today. New episodes of Podcrushed are out now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we have got to talk about this verdict. I mean, obviously I have my thoughts, but like I have not heard from either of you. I need to know, like, what are you thinking now that you've heard the verdict? Oh my God. I mean, I I guess the first thing that comes up is sort of like shit show, kind of, um... Uh, a lot of like why are we talking about this this is a private conversation between two people in their bedroom in some ways um i don't know you you say first you go first mo well i i mean my initial reaction is no i'm not surprised you know really well yeah i mean like i, I feel like after all of this like pr machine and having i assume the jury can read social media and like <laughs> see it well not not during not during deliberations like while they're on the stand like they're not supposed to be on online at all 
yeah exactly but how do you even like control that uh when you go home are you gonna like not look at what's happening online i feel like it's a bit it's a bit impossible but i mean obviously we can't we can't know that we can't know that what kind of instructions they they follow uh i'm not surprised but also like he so he got 15 million dollars hopefully that is enough to pay for all of the pr he paid for and did amber Heard get like two million dollars she was awarded two million and um you know and, and and johnny was awarded 15 million but that will actually be reduced to, to 10 million three hundred fifty thousand because he was ordered he was ordered 10 million on compensatory i think it's how you say it and five million in punitive but there is usually a like ceiling on how much you can award for punitive and in virginia it's three hundred fifty thousand. so that five million will become three hundred fifty thousand. but her okay. two million is two million i see yeah I see. is it strange but uh i think think that the amount of money almost like gives us like a <laughs> almost like a you're 70% to blame and you're 30% to blame like there's something about yeah, the amount of yeah. money that they each gave to the other person in this suit that almost like if you break down the money as a total and who has to give more money to who that's almost like in my mind what the jury's sort of like a portioning of the blame over like how much abuse happened. Like that's kind of what's going across my mind, I guess. Um, or at least what they felt they could prove essentially. Um, the thing that I'm most compelled or interested in hearing about is if they make statements, have they made statements? After They've made this? statements. Yeah. The, um, yeah. Yeah. They both made statements. And uh, I guess I haven't, I haven't listened to the statement, but or to Depp's statement, but is there anything in there about the broader claim that this is a step back for women? Because I know that Amber Heard's statement included that, but we talked a little bit about like what their statements were going to be and kind of how they were going to sort of counterbalance each other. And I'm really, really curious if Johnny Depp's side of things at least includes a little bit of information about like, hey, we realize that that abuse claims are real and that they should exist and that this is not, um, you know, that this is not something that's supposed to like minimize either thing. But I don't know. I I mean, I sure. think his was his statement really was about um, clearing his name and, you know, six years of his life uh, and the jury giving his life back, you know, and, and in the end, he says something about, you know, that um, I hope that I hope that my quest to have the truth be told will have helped other men or women who have found themselves in my situation and that those supporting them never give up. So I think that's the closest he sort of came to acknowledging that. Um, uh, but, yeah, he doesn't really talk about that. And, um, I, I, you know, I will say that I think, again, Amber's Amber tried to harp on the freedom of speech part in her statement right, was a little right. bit weird because you know, we've talked about it on this pod, like how Americans use freedom of speech and they don't really use it correctly. And I don't think that this was a case to argue freedom of speech. Um, here's what I thought. So, I mean, look, everything about this verdict, it makes me sad for so many reasons. Mm -hmm. um, do I believe that? Johnny hit Amber. I think that, yes, I think that Johnny hit Amber. Do I believe Amber hit Johnny? Yes, I believe John, Amber hit Johnny. Um, do I think Amber exaggerated her claims? Yes, I think that Amber absolutely exaggerated her claims. Do I think that she might have exaggerated her claims because she thought people might not believe her? I also believe that. it's People, again, want me to have a side in that, but I believe all of these things to be true. And I think, I also believe, I agree with you, Mahanad, I I find it hard to believe the jury didn't get influenced in any way. And not to say, you know, I, I don't have confirmation of that, but I find it, it would be really hard to go weeks and weeks without that. And if you were to see what was happening online and things that weren't being introduced into evidence, I I, I could also see that. Yeah, um, I, just, I just think, I mean, I, I think the result is one thing and their statements is one thing and how this is going to be used and how it's going to be perceived and how it's going to be covered is is another thing. It's going yeah. to be... It doesn't matter what happened in the trial today. It's 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 what's going to be communicated to people is what people are going to get out of this. And I think so far, obviously, 
from what I see online, you know, like you have like you, you have the people who are just like you know like are just like bystanders who are just like oh I like Johnny Depp I like Amber Heard this is my team this is who I want to win and it's just based on who you like more and then you have like you know right wing people who are just like just fucking celebrating today in a way yeah. that just like it it they make it sound like this is the you know the trial of the century and to them it is uh yeah. because now they can like every time like a woman like would come out and like you know accuses someone of something they will use this as as an example of like uh you know women lying whether like amber was lying or not and you know and i think that's i mean that that was the goal from the beginning you know like uh to make this into a like a huge cultural thing and it will i mean it will make a shift in general and i see a lot of people on the other side like especially like people like who were victims of like domestic abuse and, and all of that and they're like basically they're saying saying like amber heard had like more evidence than i could ever present and even her she couldn't really do anything with it i mean i think look i think that's like a very real reality but i also think you know because of the exaggerations, because again, I do believe there were exaggerations. Yeah, Amber also course. just made this harder for every other woman who does have to prove that. And that part is the part that really stings with me because yeah. I understand what it means to feel like not being heard, not being listened to and feeling like maybe you do have to like go above and beyond or exaggerate in order for it to be taken seriously. Um, I think this got like a wildfire out of control. I don't think she realized how yeah. far this was going to go yeah. and um then yeah. she sort of had to had to sit in that and i think the biggest i think the biggest part was um cuz again whether you you know the, the physical uh abuse and the the verbal abuse and the emotional abuse i think well definitely the verbal and emotional we we can prove that right like that was in tapes that was heard we know that that happened i think it was the sexual violence part mm. that then turned people into like this feels a step too far because you know if you heard if you listen to the story in australia and her retelling of it that was when i think she lost a lot of people because what was happening what we were witnessing and what we were seeing in pictures they weren't adding up and so again yeah. um i hate i hate that i hate that that happened and i hate that she felt she needed to do that um definitely yeah. like I think the a scary part of like misogyny is the amount of like toxic results that this specific trial is producing in people and uh, I mean in some ways I'm like what what are we supposed to take away from this is mainly the the biggest thing for me is like maybe even you don't exaggerate maybe even you do a trial but if something like this comes out and is public that's what we know we can expect. And so that is so scary to me in terms of like uh, of what we can expect from the public at large whenever we come out and say something like this. And the fact that women in general face a lot higher partner violence, like there's something to be taken away from this that isn't just what occurred in the trial, but of what can mm -hmm. happen to us when we actually voice the things that we want to voice and that we need to. And that to me, I think is the saddest and scariest part in some ways, because we are routinely attacked online. We are like, <laughs> it's like mocked and ridiculed and targeted for abuse and it's just, you know, it's another claimer of like, it's not easy for women to come out and say these things when they do happen. And I hope yeah. that this doesn't I, take and I away. Mean, I mean, this is like literally not the first example in the in this in the past two years or I mean, yeah. the same thing, the same exact thing happened when uh, Brett Kavanaugh was being like, you know, appointed for the Supreme Court. Right. And uh, Dr. Ford, I believe, is, is, you know, the person who came out and mm -hmm. said that, you know, he assaulted her and all of that. And she had to move houses. She had to, and he's fine. He has a, you know, he's he didn't have to move away. He didn't have to do anything. She's the one who suffered a lot of consequences. And, you know, yes, maybe like, you know, the people did not treat her as bad as like, you know, Amber Heard, obviously, but still there was a lot of consequences to her coming out and um, testifying and, 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 and all of that stuff. 
And that is, you know, that is us talking about a man like Brett Kavanaugh who's not even like liked that much, you know, just like a dude. So, mm-hmm. you know, like someone like, you know, with someone else like Johnny Depp or like whatever, like someone who's like more likable. It's, 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 it's hard to take like, you know, uh, take these, these cases to court. And also like my other question is, is that has to do with, 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 with this, with this trial. Is there a reason why it was televised? Is that a regular, a usual thing in, in things like that? It's not usual. And, and mm. Amber's team definitely fought for that. Yeah. Um, but the judge ruled, um, no, there were, they, she didn't find there was any reason they couldn't televise it. Um, yeah. I think for Johnny, it was a win, but definitely Amber was not interested in having to retell these things uh, yeah. live. It was definitely, you know, again, and I think there was many reasons this thing, this happened in Virginia, right? Um, I think because uh, in California, we don't get to see anything, I think, because it's like this, like, high profile celebrity state they don't you know we didn't get to see the kardashian black china defamation trial we you know those sorts of things so i can't even imagine if you didn't want this televised and having it have to be televised like that would blows my fucking mind yeah oh my god it's it's very interesting because like uh i feel like I'm not sure what the outcome of the trial was going to be if this was not televised, but I feel like it was going to be a whole different, a whole different trial. Uh, Because this reminds me of something, and this is like, you know, like an interesting fact that I like learned recently, but like an example of that is like when John Kennedy was, was running against Nixon, you know, and, you know, they have like the presidential debates and all of that. And the people who listened to the debates on the radio would say, like, Nixon did, like, really well. He won this. But the people who watch on TV, like, oh, you know, JFK did so well. He, like, Mm. he was so much better. So it's just, like, I feel like it's just, like, to see, like, how mediums of communication, like, affect how people perceive these things because jfk was hot and nixon exactly. was ugly and he's and like so the, and it. he knows how to carry like but he also like knows how to carry himself mm-hmm. on stage and like his movements and and all of that he looks more confident he's like you know he's more charismatic and you know he's like you know he's he's a kennedy and i feel like if if this trial like if we were just like hearing about what was happening inside from the reporters and stuff like that I feel like people's feelings would have been way more different, but like seeing it on TV and like, you know, seeing beloved Johnny Depp just like sitting there and you're like, you're not just seeing him, you're seeing all all of the characters he played that you liked and you're just like, you know, projecting that into him. And now in, instead of becoming a trial, it's it's becoming into who's the hero and who's the villain. Like this is, to me, this is another TV show. So I have to, like every other TV show, there has to be a villain and there has to be a hero. And you can't be like, well, they're both, you know, fucked up. There's That doesn't exist. No, people do not like you to live in the middle um, yeah. at all. They want you to definitely, it's it's good or evil, it's black or white. Um, yeah, I bet you're getting a lot of that pressure online. H- how has it been covering it? Like, what have you been feeling in terms of like people... Uh, messaging you or talking about in your social media like if what what are you taking away from I guess your own coverage I think that honestly this case taught me to be like so much more unbiased in every other aspect of my life because I truly did come into this case not having I, I didn't follow the UK trial I barely sort of remembered sort of what had happened even in 2016 Neither of them were on my radar, which makes sense because now we've learned, you know, they haven't had work in in years and obviously then COVID hit. And so I hadn't been thinking about them. So I literally came into this like just prepared to watch a trial. And I did. And I think it made me just be able to look at things with more of um, a nuanced perspective. Like I, I was able, I'm able to say, to look at something and say like, okay, this is the evidence presented in me. What is, what do I feel from this? Um, and what do I see on the other side? And so I honestly, I think that's the biggest takeaway. Um, but of course there's like always nagging at the back of my head of like, but what if, what if we got it wrong? Yeah. You know? And, um, you know, I got, you know, a lot of people 
will send me DMs. And it's very hard to confirm, right, whether these DMs are real, whether they're sending them to me just because they want me to post them, you know, but I got this one DM after the, the verdict was read about from a lawyer who wanted to remain anonymous who had worked on, she said she worked on a Johnny Depp case like four or five years prior and had to review some emails attached to this case. And she said that, you know, in this case, um, it, in those emails, she saw that there was evidence that he had hit Amber and, um, you know, and she was kind of wondering if if the jury would see some of this, but like a lot of that evidence hadn't been entered because she thinks the communications went through the security guard who has now passed away. And again, I don't, again, I can't confirm this is whether it's true or not, but when you hear things like that, it just makes you feel like shit, you know, like what are, what is all the stuff we're not seeing? Yeah. Um, but that could go on, could go on both ways. What are, what are the things that we're not seeing from Amber's side either? I mean, we just have to trust in what's been presented and we have to to just trust in, uh, the jury and the judicial, judicial system. Yeah. Which is uh, known to be perfect. (laughs) Totally. Never, never gotten, never gotten anything wrong. Uh, Right. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. It's just all crazy to me. I like, I feel like. This also like re- says so much about the you know the legal system in this country, and like it could be much better than this. Like I feel like in in a trial like this, where like you have like celebs and stuff, maybe maybe a jury trial is not the way to go. Maybe it should just like be decided by a judge. Uh, but that scares me too, because now that I've learned more about the the judge appointing judge process, and especially when you have true that, that, that's that's even much more political, right? I mean, mm. there was a there was a law just passed recently where the Supreme Court again I'm getting it wrong, but something about the Supreme Court is passing back to the states like the the ability for people to appeal when they think something. Anyways, it basically unfavors blacks, minorities, minorities, and marginalized of any kind and it's like when you hear stuff like that you're like shit yeah what what am i gonna do like you know if if a judge is in charge of everything and this judge has been appointed by somebody who does not have values like mine well what chance do i have in this world no yeah i mean yeah you're right you're right i (laughs) it's just something about like uh, me going to trial and they're like it's gonna be a jury of your peers i'm like Bro, I don't trust my peers. <laughs> right? Like, you know? What are you even saying? These, yeah. these are the people that refuse to wear masks just so we can fucking go outside again. Yeah, I don't I'm, trust these motherfuckers. I'm like, have you seen peers lately? Yeah. Like, I don't trust them with normal stuff, let alone the law. Oh, my God. I honestly would love to see a jury of all Kikis or Almos, though. That would make me really happy. Just little clones of each other. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a jury of my peers would be like, bro, can you repeat that again? I was on my phone this whole time. I was in my own head. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, guilty or not guilty. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I yeah. couldn't even understand what you were saying with that surprise accent, so yeah, I don't care. Exactly. Yeah, eight, like eight Pisces deciding my, my fate? <laughs> Absolutely not. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. After season one aired, I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. And of course, my 90-year-old mom, Judy. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me Season 2 is out now from Lemonada Media. Can't get enough of your favorite Lemonada Media podcasts? By subscribing to Lemonada Premium today, you'll gain access to fun and inspiring bonus content from all of our podcasts across the Lemonada Media network. As a subscriber, you can listen to never-before-heard interview excerpts between Julia Louis-Dreyfus and her A-plus guests on Wiser Than Me, laugh along with Elise Myers as she and her guests play a rapid-fire questions game on Funny Cause It's True, and continue to uncover new ways to make life suck less through our exclusive subscriber audio. 
Check out a free trial of Lemonada Premium today in the Apple Podcast app by clicking on our podcast logo and then the subscribe button. Well, now we're going to move to our own apologies, like we do every week, uh, which is, you know, sorry, not sorry. Uh, So we either apologize to someone or we ask for an apology. And like every week, I'm going to start with Oha. Yes. um, I would like an apology from Netflix.com. Okay. Um, I'm feeling really chaotic in my life. I depend on Netflix for a lot, you guys. I watch a lot of Netflix. Mm -hmm. And I just really don't know what's about to happen. I'm getting a lot of crosstalk online about whether or not they're about to charge me $2.99 for everybody who is on my account, which I'm not ready to ask people to Venmo me $2.99 monthly. Um, I'm going to kick them off. So there's about four or five people in my life that need to be prepared for that, that if they... No longer, if they're charging me to add uh, people to my account, I will have to change my password. I love you deeply and dearly, but goodbye. And then the other thing is, what is about to happen? Are you going to do ads? Are you going to charge me $2.99? Is this changing? I do have some stock in Robinhood and Netflix, and it, I have actually actively like lost $6 in the past month. So I just, I need an apology from Netflix. I need you to get your shit together and be the decent, hardworking company that pivots on a dime that you have been in the past. And, um, and I hope that it gets issued. I hope that I get the, I hope that I get it. This is the one that I really want, essentially. I get it. I I would remove people. I'm like I'm not paying more. I'm not paying two ninety nine for you. No. Exactly. Yeah. There's no one that I care for that much. I'm like no. Go watch your own show. Pay your own money. What are you like? What are you spending that money? Eleven dollars on a month. Yeah. Just get a Netflix or don't watch TV. TV is not that important. Read a book. That's right. And I don't think. And I, and I know you're hearing crosstalk, but I mean, I definitely think it's going to happen because, like, I mean, all I ever mm-hmm. keep seeing now is like. Netflix losing money, you know, and, and which I never believe. I, I whenever I hear about like s- companies that side losing money, I'm like, ah, are you losing money? Or are you just not making as much money as you projected? Like it's like only yeah. six right, billion instead right. of like sixteen billion. Mm. Is the trust of your shareholds what is actually causing yeah. you to lose money? But yeah. you're not actually losing money. Yeah. Also, crazy idea to make more money on like a streaming service. Make good TV, Netflix. I don't know. <laughs> Have you thought about that? Have we considered mm-hmm. making good TV? Mm-hmm. Do you think that works? Maybe, hey, maybe don't throw 60 million at one person and then cancel every good show there is. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, just, uh, you know, just spitballing here. I mean, what what do I know? So, Kiki, who's, who owes you an apology this week? Um, I'm actually going to apologize to my uh, physical therapist because I've been going to physical therapy for my, you know, my back. My back hurts. I'm trying to, like, rehab my back, get my core strength up. And uh, I, I, I'll be honest, I have not moved much again because of this Johnny Amber trial. Like I've been mm. pretty much in a sitting position for the last month. And even though this would be probably good opportunities, like I, I could be doing my exercises, I don't. Um, and I know that I have a physical therapy appointment today and I did not do any of the, I lied. I lied. I said I did the exercises. I didn't do the exercises. I haven't done any of the exercises while I was home. And I know that I should just be apologizing to myself because only I will be suffering because of this. But, um, I'm going to apologize to him because today when I go in, I'm going to not, it's not going to be, um, as good a session as maybe he thinks it's going to be because I'm going to be like, no. This um, I'm I hurt. We're gonna start from start from scratch. Exactly. Maybe we should have we shouldn't have done this during the trial. We should have done it <laughs> when I was a little more active. <laughs> exactly. You should be like, why are you giving me homework? Too. Yeah. Like, you do it here, and then the second I go out, I'm gonna forget all about it. I'm not gonna yeah. do anything by myself. I'm not. I do not self motivate. This is why, like, I know if I was rich absolutely like a a personal trainer would be on the payroll seven days a week because i'll work out when somebody is there pushing me along the way i'm very good at that but like even though i know all the things i'm supposed to do to do it on my own i just i don't know i cannot it just i can't get there you know kiki what's the one thing i want if i was rich truly what is a personal chef 
That's all. Oh I yeah, want. that's absolutely. All I, want. I am dying to have a like that will literally change my life. Personal chef, personal trainer, driver. Those are the three main oh payrolls. Those oh are the three God. things I, I want. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying to think of what I would do if I was very wealthy. And I, I, I'll just subscribe to what you guys are saying and trust that that would change my life and make it better. <laughs> I'm like, oh, damn, I would like, I don't know, go eat chicken nuggets for two days and like go travel to to like go see a safari and get a hot tub on my roof. I'm, I would not be a good rich person, you guys. I would be bad at rich, bad you'd, rich. Oh, you'd wow. be the curse of the lotto person. <laughs> I would be the lotto curse. So um, within three years, I'd be dead, you know, um, <laughs> broken, dead, <laughs> broken down, dead. And yeah, yep, 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 yep. So just know what to expect. Also, there is a very great thread on Reddit to what to do if you win the lottery. So just go oh, on there shit. and check it out. It's the greatest thread ever. And it truly is, I think, what to actually do if you won the lottery. Step okay. number one, step number one, don't tell anyone, not one soul, not your mom, not your dad, not anybody. And then two, retain a lawyer. Yeah. That's your second one. We, My friend and I have like knew, like we, we lived in New York together. We knew where the office was and we had a code word that when we call and we say that code word to each other, we know what it means. And then we meet because we'd play the lot of together. And then it was like, we had our whole, we had a whole plan. It was like, wow. I, I don't have an emergency action plan, but I sure <laughs> have an emergency lotto plan. Just go on Reddit, <laughs> get that emergency lotto plan. Download that PDF, baby. Print it out. Keep it in your emergency kit, you know? Truly, also, like, the telling your family thing, telling your parents that you have made any amount of significant, like, significant amount of money is the worst thing to do. Absolutely <laughs> never do that. Because they immediately, they're, like, first thing, thought in their mind, like, how does that benefit me and how much can I get? <laughs> and it's just like, yes. okay, let's just... Start with me here, <laughs> and then we'll get to you. We'll get to you. Yeah. We'll get to all of you. Listeners, I would give money to our listeners, too. I would throw some out there. Sorry, Mo. No. Just a, a dollar, you know? You're so... <laughs> I don't know. I don't think you know how podcasting works. <laughs> no, I pay them to listen. Giving that's what I've always done. You're listeners money. Yeah, that's that's why we have any listeners because I've okay, been directly. Listeners, if Omar gives you money, or if you have money, uh, at Mahana Del Shaky, that's my Venmo. <laughs> yeah, send me money. I will accept it. Yes, send me money. Uh, speaking of, uh, so I'm I'm demanding an apology this week, and I was mm-hmm. I've, I've been flying a lot lately, and Jesus Christ, I, it's too much. <laughs> Flying the airlines, what, well, what's too much? I am so, I am so tired. I so I was in, I went to Montana, came back from Montana for like a day and a half, and then I went to San Francisco, uh, and like a six-hour flight, and then three days came back from San Francisco, and now in a day, now I'm going to Cleveland and then back, and. Oh, yeah. There's so much happening. The airports do bad. LaGuardia, great job. It's it's becoming much better. Love mm. love the look. Love everything. Uh, that tiling is gorgeous. Jesus, yeah. it's beautiful. Absolutely. So I, I'm demanding an apology from Delta Airlines, which I use a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have your card. I have everything. Delta, if you're listening, please. I took this six-hour flight to San Francisco, and... If I'd say, like, the coldest I've ever felt, it did not matter how much I put on me. That flight was so cold. It was insane. I didn't even have my, like, air on or anything. It was just a very cold flight. Weird. And I don't know why. Interesting. And I was, like, literally just, like, you know, like, when you go to sleep and you wake up and you're, like, freezing cold and you're, Mm -hmm. like, and even your dreams feel weird. (laughs) They're being influenced. Yeah, they they need to change the they need to change the time. <laughs> like you know what? Give me a blanket. Like it's so insane that they're like, no, you have to be on like Delta One and pay a thousand dollars to get a blanket. I'm like, it costs you ten dollars. If Give that, like ten dollars, it would be ten dollars for the whole plane. I'm sure they get them in bulk. Those exactly. planes aren't e- those blankets don't even fit your whole body. You need no, two, and they're not. essentially little rags. Yeah, they're the kind of planes that if you die, it will just they'll just cover your head with it. You know that kind exactly. of thing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's their purpose. 
Yeah, it's like when exactly, you know, it's like, did they just start taking away these little things? It used to always be a blanket in your seat when you got to your seat. It used to be headphones automatic. And Mm -hmm. it was just like what the airlines think cutting out those little blankies and like cheap headphones is going to bring them millions and billions of dollars. Please. You're not not even like getting it, like giving people food. Like, here's the thing. This is such an American airline thing, by the way. Like any other airline that you take, like Turkish Airlines, Egyptian Airlines, whatever, you get a real meal. You get food. They give you chicken or something. If I see one more Biscoff or whatever that is. (laughs) Oh, don't talk. I love a Biscoff now. (laughs) But it's not a meal. It is not a a meal, though. It's not a meal. That's all I'm saying. But I ask for extras. Yes. And it's just, I love yeah. the little, um, you know, the Southwest pretzel and crispy salty bits bag with the brownie brittle. I asked for extras too. Oh, I've never yeah. been on Southwest, but yeah, I definitely get like, yeah, the just the wrap, like you, you only get the wrap if you're going over like five hours. So if you're going across country, then you might get that wrap and it's always a turkey wrap. I hate turkey. It's like not real. We're gonna we should cut this on the podcast and make it like a social, and do not explain the context. And it's just Kiki saying, (laughs) "I hate Turkey," (laughs) (laughs) and our Turkish listeners are just gonna lose their minds. (laughs) I'm sorry. Is a Lemonada Media original. The show is produced by Alex McCohen. Supervising producer is Chrissy Pease. Our executive producers are Stephanie Whittles-Wax and Jessica Cordova-Kramer. Our mix is by Kat Yor, and theme music was composed by Xander Singh. If you like this show, please rate and review. And please don't cancel us. You can find out more about our show at Lemonada Media on all social platforms or follow us on Instagram at I'm sorry underscore podcast. We'll be back next week. And until then, be nice, play fair, and always say I'm sorry. Thanks for listening. Do you ever get hit with a cringy memory of your 13-year-old self out of nowhere and suddenly you're, you're panic sweating, you're laughing and maybe a little, little bit of tears are coming all at once? Don't worry, we all do. That's because being an adolescent is one of the most visceral shared experiences we have as people and we, we want to talk about it. So join me, Penn Badgley, and my two friends, Nava and Sophie, on Podcrushed as we interview celebrity guests about the joys and horrors of being a teenager and how those moments made them who they are today. New episodes of Podcrushed are out now. You can listen ad-free on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Elise Myers. I'm a content creator and comedian. You might know me from TikTok. Why am I in your ears right now? Well, that's a great question. I would love to tell you. I have a new podcast called Funny Because It's True. On my show, I'll be interviewing comedians, pop culture icons, and also just people I find really funny. We'll be talking about the awkward moments that keep you awake at night. Because if you don't laugh, you cry, right? (laughs) Okay, funny because it's true. Out now wherever you get your podcasts.